it's time once again for another episode of Bar Talk Radio, brought to you in part by the United States Bartenders Guild Atlanta Chapter, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta and around the world. And now, please welcome your host, Anthony Porquez. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Bar Talk Radio. I am Anthony Porquez, your radio host, show host and your Atlanta USBG president. Uh, have a really great uh, show to, for you today, continuing the conversation about Atlanta beverage culture and highlighting today one of my favorite particular categories, which is tequila. Uh, we have a very, very special guest today uh, on our show, the topic of which we're going to talk about history and the trends of tequila. Um, everyone, please uh, put your hands together for Ruben Estevez, uh, the Tequila Hurradura Global Ambassador. How are we doing today, Ruben? Thank you very much for having me today. Yeah, it's very great having you. Excited to be here with you guys. Thank you. Yeah, so you've had a busy day today. You already had a tasting, uh, educational tasting at establishment today, correct? Yeah, it's been a busy week already. So yeah, happy <laughs> up and down all over the place. Yeah. Well, we're really excited to have someone of your caliber in the city and and to share all your knowledge about tequila and about Hurradura. So, thank you so much. You know, we're just going to dive right in here because you know we. You have such a, a long history with with the company and such an extensive background in the category that we're just going to jump into some questions and, and try to maximize on our time here. So one of the things that I always like to ask people who come in is how they get got started in the industry. Um, we're a really specialized kind of industry in a lot of ways. So we'd love to share your story about you know the very beginnings of your career and how that and how that happened. Well, my beginnings with tequila which somehow you can tell it's an industry. I, um, my grandmother, uh, 60 years ago, she was somehow related with the Herradura company. So everything we drank at home, it was tequila Herradura. And in those days, it was only a 96-proof Blanco tequila Herradura. So when I, I was 16, she, she, she got me into tequila because she thought, you know, you're becoming, you know, legal drinking age, so you need to make sure that you can you can control tequila. <laughs> so she sat me down every single day before lunch to drink two ounces of tequila blanco, 96 proof with her until I, I got it. Every so day for lunch you had tequila. Every single day for three weeks in a row having tequila with her until I got it. So <laughs> At the age of 16. 16. Huh? So that's one thing I've been doing since ever since. So wow. I, do, I do my two ounces. Nowadays, not 96 proof. Now it's only 92. <laughs> But it's still a Blanco. You know, it's a high proof. Typically, most spirits in the U.S. are 80 proof. So right. this is a 92 proof right. uh, Blanco, Herradura, tequila. So I do my two ounces every day before lunch for the last 45 days. And did she believe there were health properties to it, or she just wanted to build your tolerance so you wouldn't pass out in a bar yeah, one day? Yeah, she wanted to be my tolerance, and... Uh, that's what we drank in those days. I mean, there were some other people uh, drinking, you know, imported things like you know, imported rums and brandies and whiskeys. But we 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 like our Mexican our Mexican spirit, so tequila. Sure. So that that's what I did. That's so that's my history with tequila and tequila radura. It's for the last forty five years. You had the coolest grandmother ever. Yes, I did. Your mother, yeah, y- yes, yeah, I that's did. great. <laughs> yes, I did. So how did that translate into into your career with Herradura? Well, you know, uh, since she was part of the family, so the, the, the company stayed since 1870 to 2007, same family, six generations. So um, 
one day back in 1999, some of the family members, they, they knew about me. I was taking a sabbatical year in those days. I started just to, to take one year off, the, uh, did an MBA. So one of the owners, one of the family members said, why don't you come and work for us? I mean, there's no one that likes Serradura or tequila better than you do. No, I think no one knows about the history of Casa Serradura better mm -hmm. than you do. There's no more passionate tequila drinker within the family in whichever degree uh, than you are. So uh, why don't you come and work for us? So I did. How old were you at that, at that time? That was uh, 17 uh, years ago. So I'm 16 years. now. So you can, okay. do the, you can do the math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm 60 year old right now. I started okay. drinking when I was 16. So in 2000, it's when, when I came into, into the company. I came as a uh, rest of the world uh, sales for Casa Radura. Okay. Then Brown Foreman came in in 2007. So we've been part of Brown Foreman for the last uh, 10 years. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've been related also to the rest of the world market, but more as a the uh, the, the face of the of the brand, the face right. of the company, the historian. So I'm the global brand ambassador. I'm a master taster also. So I'm pretty much involved in tasting tequila so we can release for bottling or for new tequilas that we want to release into the market. Sure. So it's been 17 years already. That's great. And you have a pretty, you have a pretty bit complicated uh, educational program too that you teach as well. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, one of the things I do is I travel the world and you know, we sell our tequilas in more than 80 countries. So it is important for us and for me that everyone involved in selling our tequila, they need to understand what they're selling. Mm -hmm. There's 1,300 different tequila labels out there out of 156 wow. different distilleries. And there's still a lot of uh, misconceptions of what tequila is all about in, in the world, sometimes even in Mexico. So it is important for us that people know better what tequila is all about, what it's made, where it's made, what are the rules. Right. But most importantly, how tequila radura it's made. Because, mm -hmm. again, there's so many tequilas, and they don't know the same thing. Just like in wine, whiskey, beer, they're, you know, the, the high end, the low end, the good stuff, not the great stuff. And uh, Herradura has always been like the crown jewel within the tequila industry. We have a very unique recipe, the way we do things in, uh, in the entire process of tequila. So it is important for us that people know, mostly the people who sell tequila for us in, in those countries, that they understand that we're not just another tequila. We're a very unique, beautiful, 100% agave, 100% natural tequila. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to go into that process a little bit more, specifically what Hiradura does in a minute. But um, just in general, if you could educate us a little bit more as uh, tequila as a category and the history of that. Yeah, tequila... Tequila really begins in in the 13th century. So the Indians, local Indians back in Mexico, they it was pretty much an accident that they found that by a lightning striking a bunch of agaves, they were wasting because they were basically using the leaves out of the agaves, the pencas, and mm -hmm. they were wasting the heart of the agave, which is what, you, what we use right now to make tequila. Right. So in those days, they were doing the opposite. They were wasting the heart, and they were using the pencas for multiple purposes. So they were making piles of, uh, of agave somewhere, and one night, stormy night, we had a lot of stormy nights in that area, mm -hmm. and a lightning struck a bunch of agaves, and they realized that the agaves, by being like a raw potato, hard like a rock, no flavor, no aroma, no nothing, they were instantly cooked by the lightning, and all of a sudden they became brown, mm -hmm. and they produced an amazing uh, aroma. And that's how the whole thing starts in the 13th century. Then 1521, Spanish conquistadores come in. They see that the Indians were drinking some 
they call it pulque. Mm-hmm. Some kind of like a, a beer out of the uh, mm-hmm. fermented uh, sap out of the uh, out of the agave. They they find it pretty interesting. They 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 brought distillation process with them, so they distill this uh, agave beer mm-hmm. sap, and uh, so they made tequila. So that means that tequila became the first spirit ever to be distilled, of course, spirit in Americas. So mm-hmm. thinking about North Alaska, South Chile, everything in between, the first spirit ever was tequila. So it has a long story as a spirit since 1521. 1902, German scientist makes a uh, survey for all the uh, all the uh, the agaves. There's 136 different types of agaves. Mm-hmm. So he decides to suggest the industry that if we wanted to make a more complex, uh, sophisticated, consistent spirit, we should make it out of only one one uh, variety of those plants, which became the blue tequilana mm-hmm. Weber. This doctor scientist was Mr. Weber, Dr. Weber. So that's why we added his name to the plant. So blue tequilana Weber. So since 1902, the only plant out of those 136 different types of agaves, right. you, can, you can only use blue tequilana Weber to make tequila. That, that agave has to be grown in a limited area in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So tequilas, they have to be produced in Mexico. There's no tequilas from anywhere in the world. Just like you have Canadian whiskeys or Scotch whiskeys, American whiskeys. Every single tequila has to be from Mexico, mm-hmm. but not anywhere in Mexico, only a very limited area in Mexico. So uh, right. every single tequila has to be made out of blue tequila Weber agave grown in that limited area and produced out of those agaves from that area in that area. Mm. Sounds confusing, but it's, it's a very limited. It's, it's like, like sparkling wine from Champagne. It's Champagne. Everywhere right. else, it's sparkling wine or, or cava. In, and in Mexico right now, you're hitting some challenges, too, because isn't agave at an all-time high in terms of price? Right well, the, the, the agave pricing fluctuates because the majority of the, agave, the, the tequila producers, they do not own their own land. They do not control their own plantations, so they have to rely on agave producers. Mm-hmm. So if the agave producers don't talk to the tequila producers, they do not grow what the tequila producers will need. Mm-hmm. But bear in mind that the planning has to be seven years upfront because right. the agave takes seven years to be ready. So Which it, is a hard for, forecasting, it's, it's a, you know, it, when you're trying to project something seven years in the future and exact, how much you'll need. And, exactly. Yeah. So if, if I'm a tequila producer, whichever I am, and I don't control my agave, and you're mm-hmm. an agave producer, I need to tell you, Anthony, I need you to grow agave for the uh, whichever amount of um, c- cases of tequila I'll be producing seven years from now. Because mm-hmm. you, start, you need to start growing your agave right now for the tequila blanco that I need seven years from now. <laughs> If it's reposado, that takes another year. If it's an añejo, another two years. If it's an extra añejo, it's another three years. So some guys, sometimes you have to forecast 11 years in advance. Wow. So how can you ask someone in sales that you have to forecast seven years from now? Right. Everyone would say, you know, are you kidding me? I, I can't do that. So, so, the, so that's what happens. So the, if they have lack of planning mm-hmm. and when they need the agave, they either grew too much, the price goes down, they grow very little, the price goes up, and they're all fighting for the, for the agave. And then, if the agave takes seven years to be ready to make a great tequila, some people say, you know what, I'm going to buy whichever agave I find, I don't care if it's only a five-year-old agave, and they make tequila out of a five-year-old agave. Right. And the tequila made out of a five-year-old agave, it won't be tasting good. So right. that's when you find all these varieties and qualities of tequila you have to wait until the agave is ready, ripe, and mm-hmm. that happens only after seven years. So the government doesn't get involved with regulating how much agave is grown? 
the agave is regulated regulates as some of the rules for for producing tequila on which plant, which places you can grow, and some of the you know what it takes to be a reposado, what it takes to be an añejo, but they cannot force producers to grow more or less. They cannot force tequila producers to sell or produce more. So that has to be in between agave growers and tequila right. producers only. Yes, it sounds like a stronger communication between all the all the growers is really crucial for that. It is. It, it's not, but it should be. Right, right. <laughs> yes, yes. That's which great. in which in this case, Herradura, if may I say, we every single agave that we need and every single plantation that we we own. So that's why we don't have those issues because we have twenty two thousand acres of agave plantations with over eighteen million agave plants. So we mm-hmm. we have the the right planning and supply that we need for the tequila we need to sell. Right. We've been doing this for one hundred and forty seven years, so I think we nailed it already. <laughs> you, already. Got, you got it down by now yeah. for sure. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the past of tequila. What are, what are some of the, the trends or the forecasting that you see happening within the category in our industry? Well, it's still amazing and surprising because it's growing. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I can say, and maybe pretty much everyone in the industry knows that worldwide, we're basically the only category that keeps on growing. It's been growing for the last uh, 15 years. You can find some countries in which you know American whiskey grows. Some other countries, not so much. Welka, mm-hmm. gin, rum, the same thing, but Tequila everywhere it is, it's it's growing, mm-hmm. S- steady, su- sustainable, and uh, growth. So uh, it, it it's amazing. People people still need to find out what tequila is all about. So that's what I do. All that education that you were uh, talking about. There's a lot of people who still don't understand what tequila is all sure. about. So w- bringing education, tequila in general, uh, helps to to grow the the category. So the category. I'll give you an example. I think that nowadays in the U.S., out of the entire industry, tequila is only like 7% of the entire industry. Is that right? Ten years ago, it was only 5 So if you think about vodka being 16 of the entire industry, so we have a lot of room, uh, room to grow. Sure. And if you talk about you know, 21, 25 different countries in Europe, we're like 1% only in each and every country of those. So we have a lot of room to grow, and people are – beginning to understand tequila they're beginning mm. that you know the 100 percent agave great tequilas are amazing thing to sip enjoy make beautiful cocktails so it's it's a it's a very rewarding job that i do going all over the world all year round to to teach about tequila because the, the category is growing very nicely and healthy i mean you you look at what happened recently with you know casamigos and <laughs> being bought out for a billion dollars i mean like that's that's has to say something about you know yeah. the the love for tequila and, the, and how that category is, is trending. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was you, a very unique, crazy thing. But yeah, that tells you how tequila is. You know, you know, catching people's attention. And, yeah. It's it's amazing, especially a brand yeah. that's what three years old, four years four, old, four year old, and four year to old to sell for a billion dollars is is, yeah. is amazing. And they uh, have nothing. I mean, they have Mr. Clooney, of course, and they have, <laughs> they have a brand. And they they sell, but they, they have no distillery, they have no plantations, they have nothing. Just a just a brand, but good for them, you know, good for them. That's no. what the tequila is. It's happening right it's now. It's the power of George Clooney, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Then that leads to ask another question. You, you're talking about how tequila is being drunk, uh, drank all over the world, and besides Mexico, obviously, and perhaps the United States, where who's the big tequila drinkers in terms of the, which countries? The gaps, the gaps are humongous because if if you think about you know. Uh, Tequila sales in the U.S., it's 12 million cases a year. We, we, we're measured by 9-liter cases, 12 mm-hmm. 750 ml bottles. That's mm-hmm. a case, 9-liter cases. So the U.S. does 12 million cases a year. 
Mexico does 10 million cases a year. So you guys had 30, 350 million people. We're 110. Per capita, we drink more in Mexico. But yeah, volume-wise, total, uh, the U.S. does more, 12 million. After Mexico and the U.S., then you have the third tier, if you will. That would be Canada, uh, Colombia, uh, Germany. But then now you're talking about 400,000 cases a year. So the gap, it's, it's huge. Uh, so, again, we're in 80 countries, but uh, the rest of the world, every single country, it's, you know, the numbers are still pretty small. You know, the U.K., which is you know, one of the trendiest countries in European Union, not that they like it to, to, that we say it that way, <laughs> uh, the, the people from the U.K., but uh, Europe, uh, I think they do like 160,000 cases of tequila a year. Wow. So if you compare those with 10 million in Mexico or 12 million in the U.S., it's like nothing. Wow. Germany numbers are like 400,000, but it's only because we ship a lot of mixto tequila. That's something you can do. 100% agave has to be bottled in Mexico. Mixto tequila you can bulk ship. Right. So a lot of the bulk tequila is sent to, the, to Germany and from Germany to other countries in Europe. But, mm. So they, the numbers they have is that they do 400,000 cases for Germany. It's not the case because a lot of them, they go to other countries. Yeah, skewed a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Cool. That's really interesting. To, to see like how much tequila is being drank at different places in the in the world. So we, we talked a little bit about trends. How about uh, more specifically about Casa Herrera? So what is um, some of the history highlights that you can give us, and what are some of the unique points about the brand that really stand out? Well, Casa Herrera dates back from 1870. So we've been around for 147 years. Herradura has always been 100% agave, 100% natural. We are based in Amatitan, I know there's a town of tequila, but the true birthplace for tequila, it's Amatitan, where we are. We're based in this 400-year-old hacienda, so we're the, the, the last authentic tequila distillery in the world. This hacienda is a 250-acre 250, uh, 250 compound surrounded by walls. Mm-hmm. It's like a fortress. We've always been there. It's a beautiful, amazing property. You're welcome to come, as you know. I would 60, love to come 60,000 tourists a year they come to our place because it's 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 like if you go to paris you gotta go see the eiffel tower you gotta go to guadalajara you gotta see this place sure and uh we were we produced the first reposado tequila in the industry back in 1974 the first ultra age tequila in the industry back in 1995 the first tequila ready to drink in a can uh back in 1997 Hmm. And uh, we sell over 160 million cans of that a year, 12-ounce cans of uh, tequila with, with squirt. That's okay. a big, big, big brand. We call it Paloma, the new mix yeah, Paloma. Yeah, for sure. It's a huge brand. So Tequila Radura has always been the, uh, the industry's uh, crown jewel, Very always uh, very innovative. People respect what Herradura it, it's about. They follow our footsteps and... Uh, Again, always 100% agave, always 100% uh, natural, family-owned since 1872-2007. Now part of Brown Foreman, which is a great thing to be part of the... Uh, Brown Foreman was established also in 1870, so we share really? that, that same same date. And we are pretty lucky to be part of Brown Foreman since the last 10 years. So, um, yeah, that's what Herradura is all about. That's great. And uh, you, t- you mentioned a little bit about 100% agave versus, you know, Mixed tequila. tequila. Uh, Can you go a little bit into that a a little more and so our listeners can understand for sure what that means? Within the industry, you can basically have two types of tequila. One of them is 100% agave tequila, which means that 
Every single drop of alcohol you taste out of a bottle, it's a fermented distilled juices from a blue tequilana Weber agave. There's mm -hmm. no blending of anything else. Within 100% agave, you can find different expressions like silver, reposado, añejo, extra añejo. It's basically the same tequila because it's, it's white, crystal clean when you produce it to begin with. And then you age more and more and more and more. And then it becomes more sophisticated or complex out of the barrel, more time in the barrel. And, uh, but basically, 100% agave tequila, only alcohol coming from the, from the agave. The mixto one, or the tequila that we call it in Mexico, then the Mexican government, the CRT, which stands for Tequila Regulation Council, and the agave producers, they, they formed the CRT, and we set some other rules long time ago that we could produce a tequila with 51% of alcohol coming from the agave uses only. Mm -hmm. And the other 49 can be from anything else mm -hmm. besides any other type of agave. No other agave. Mm -hmm. But so 51 from Blue Tequilana Weber agave, 49, it could be sugarcane, corn, potato, anything you can produce alcohol out of, mm -hmm. you can use alcohol, neutral spirit, you know. So you don't have to explain what it is, where it came from, but as long as it's 49% of that and 51% at least from agave. And again, mixed to tequila can also have blanco, reposado, mostly gold. Mm -hmm. That's also a big, big misconception because if you see a reposado, it looks gold. Right. But reposado means that the color and flavor profile out of the wood is coming from the wood, from the oak. Mm -hmm. Gold, if it reads gold, it's because it's a blanco tequila with caramel color added to make it look gold. So that's big, big difference. Gotcha. So the mixtos are mostly blanco, blanco, silver, plata, white, same thing, or gold, some reposados. Mm -hmm. Very rare to find mixto añejo. You will never find mixto extra añejo. Right. So with 100% agave, you do have Blanco, repo, añejo, extrañejo, with mixtos, basically blanco and gold, and some of them are reposado. And those would be like your your cuervos, your sauces, and things like that, the mixtos. Well, right. cuervo, cuervo and salsa, they have both. Mm -hmm. Both. So cuervo has a line with uh, certain labels with mm -hmm. a mixto, mm -hmm. like the cuervo especial gold, that's and uh, salsa gold, salsa silver. So those are mm -hmm. the. Uh, the lower price uh, mixtos. But Sausa and Cuervo, they also have their 100% agave tequilas. Mm -hmm. Great. And so I know that you said you've been coming to Atlanta for quite some time now. Yes. Uh, and you, you come about twice a year. Yes. We're talking about that outside a little bit. Just out of curiosity, what, what are some of your perceptions of Atlanta now versus then in terms of the industry? Yeah, first time I was here was 31 or 30 years ago. And uh, there was a lot of, a lot of construction already there. The Olympics were coming for 1996, and uh, and uh, basically, you know, the, you know, the downtown area, and uh, it, it was nice, but uh, it has grown a whole lot. I mean, I, I love Atlanta. To be very, very, very honest, every time I come here, I just love it. It's so, it's so the architecture, it's clean, the uh, the, the landscaping, it's green. I love the weather. I love everything. It's it's and I think it's a trendy, vibrant. A city and uh, it's been growing like crazy. Absolutely, some of the traffic you can feel, but I, I love it. I, I, and every time they ask me, "Yeah, you gotta go to Atlanta," I love it. So it's I, 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 for those of you who are from here, I, I congratulate you because it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah I mean, not not because I'm here or anything else, but I, I, I true honestly love your your city. Yeah, well, it's, a lot it's, of fine dining, a lot of a lot of great things in Atlanta. Yeah, that's one of the things that you know. 
really prompted this radio show too was the how much the city is changing and growing yeah. and as you probably are aware too as much as you travel honestly atlanta is one of those cities that we're, we're not really considered one of those big culinary or beverage cities like in chicago or new york or in la and so it's one of the things that really drives us with the usbg is is you know trying to get talk about what's happening here and talk about the culture so we can you know really start to have an identity about it because uh, you know the identity of atlanta food and, and drinks goes way beyond you know uh, fried chicken and collard greens and, and drinking whiskey you know it's, <laughs> no. it's, it's, it's evolved to something much much more so it's a really exciting time uh to yeah. be in the city and we're really excited to have you here Thank on the you. show it um, is my pleasure. So when you're so when you're just hanging out at home, what, what's your drink? What do you drink to keep? I mean, in terms of when you just want to, well, go out or relax. Someone two days ago asked me, "Can you describe me your week?" <laughs> I'm not going to do that right now, but I can tell you that I, I uh, every day before lunch, two ounces of uh, 92 proof blanco tequila. That's like a, <laughs> like, a, like a religious thing that I do every time. Yeah, keep the but, tradition yeah, alive, right? Yeah, I, I drink wine, red wine at night, mm-hmm. and I, but I can enjoy pretty much every spirit, mm-hmm. and uh, it all depends on where you are, what is the mood. My my go to thing, if if you think about, I drink. Just just, just an, an example, a hundred gallons of spirits a year. 80 of those will be tequila. Mm-hmm. The other 20, it's everything else. But I, I have the capacity to enjoy any other spirit, right. whether it's gin, vodka, rum, brandy, cognac, beer, wine, mezcal, a little bit, but it's mm-hmm. always neat. One of the interesting things about me is I never blend anything. I can add a couple of um, you know, ice pieces to my whiskey maybe, but not always. It's right. I'm just neat, pure drinking, yeah. Can we expect any new SKUs or new products out of Herodura? Are you guys working on anything that we might be seeing in the market soon? No, not 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 for now. We we yeah. we have a, a lot of great stuff already. We do release every year a special edition of one thing we call Colección de la Casa. You mm-hmm. can translate that for uh, the house collection, limited edition. As you know, Herradura being innovative, we're always trying to, you know, bring new things but you cannot just get crazy and creating a lot of a lot of stuff because right you, you know so we we are a purist in that way so we have a we have three beautiful labels el Jimador, antiguo and herradura and uh, all of them have you know their expressions blanco reposado and añejo so we have a great deal of things to need to do with 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 with, with those but uh, we do release a special edition every year it's a very limited edition maybe around thirteen thousand bottles only wow so we <laughs> we release that only uh, prior to to holidays you know in november mid-october so that it's ready on the shelves for for the holidays so so we've been doing that since 2012 one special edition every year which uh, I could tell you, but then I would have to kill you. So. <laughs> well, maybe I can convince you off the air to, to save me a bottle and, and bribe you with something. To, <laughs> to it's, get not it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. It, it'll be ready by very late September. Well, that's exciting. We'll, we'll have to keep an eye out for that yes, when, the, when the holidays come. So uh, we're coming to the end of the show here, so I just wanted to give a couple of quick announcements. Uh, did you want to talk about the Bartender's Legends competition? Do you, or would you like me to talk, to you, uh, to say, talk about that? Well, I can tell you something. We had a great time down there on, at the Hacienda uh, uh, this last year. It was an amazing, amazing event that you can amplify on that. But uh, they all had an amazing time down there. The Hacienda, as I said, it's huge, it's beautiful, it's old, it's authentic. And they were all very 
surprised at what they found. Everyone exceeded their expectations. So the only thing I can say for all, the, all, all, all of those you involved, make the best you can, because if you win, you're going to have a, a lot of fun down there in Amatitan at Casa Raduras Hacienda. And to give you listeners some background on that, uh, the deadline for that is August 15th. Uh, you can enter at herradura.liquor.com. And basically, this is a awesome opportunity for because each the top two bartenders from each market will be flown to Casa Herradura, and uh, they'll be it'll, this will be in October and in November, and then they have a three day immersive experience at the last true tequila producing hacienda in the world. So, if you guys are interested, you should definitely check that competition out. It will. Uh, definitely be a great prize if you get to the finals. So, and then uh, the last few things in terms of what I'd like to talk about in terms of USBG announcements, uh, real quick to close out the show is one: uh, we have board nominations for the USBG Atlanta chapter that are due tomorrow by midnight. So, all of you guys who are considering being, you know, presidents or vice president, or treasurer, or secretary, uh, feel free to go ahead and nominate yourselves or people who are part of that role. Um, as you guys have know that uh, we've been really working really hard to bring community integrity back to our uh, organization. So please consider your choices wisely. And for those who are participating, please consider your commitments uh, to the to chapter if you're going to move forward with that. Um, also uh, to announce is our next meeting will be August 21st at the consulate, which will be hosted by Don Q. That happens at 1.30 to 3.30. So please come out for that. Uh, we also have a behind-the-barrel uh, event with Wild Turkey that's coming out, which is, is a barrel program uh, where you got to pretty much hang out with Jimmy and Eddie Russell. The deadline for that is also the 15th at midnight, so there's information on that on our Facebook page. Feel free to read more about that. Another thing that we're preparing for is in October is the National Education Week for the, for the USBG. Uh, one of the biggest things I keep hearing about our chapter members is more education. So we're, I'm taking basically suggestions or comments from either members or sponsors who want to get involved with this. We'd love to like, you know, have a couple of days of really solid education to really elevate everybody's skill set uh, that week. And then uh, also wanted to announce the ninth annual Taste of Atlanta Barcraft competition that is happening um, soon. Uh, the deadline for that is August 15th. Uh, the sponsors will be Real Syrups and George Dickel. So uh, we'll have something on our Facebook page about that as well. So you guys can get ready for that competition. It's an awesome, awesome competition that we do every year here in Atlanta. And then finally, save the dates for uh, the uh, for September 10th. We're going to have our end-of-the-year party with Four Roses. Our next chapter meeting will be September 18th. And just to round things off here, if you're a brand, an establishment, or a distributor who would like to sponsor a show, please feel to reach out to me. This is an excellent platform to share your story with the best bartenders in Atlanta. Also, to all you bartenders listening out there, we invite you to check out uh, the USBG meeting or event page on Facebook. We have a team of awesome people who are handing out free entry cards to any of our chapter meetings. We post everything on Facebook, so drop in, check us out, see what it's like to be a part of a true bar community. So thank you for joining us for this episode of Bar Talk Radio. Big thank you to Ruben Nasievis here from Herradura. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Also, thanks to my team, Eric Zolikoffer, and the rest of my USBG New Ambassador membership uh, team. Thank you so much. Join us on the next time uh, for another round of Bar Talk Radio. Hope to see you all at our next USBG meeting on the 21st. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us and our guests on Bar Talk Radio. 
use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of Bar Talk Radio. Brought to you in part by the United States Bartenders Guild Atlanta Chapter. Connect on Facebook at Atlanta USBG Chapter or visit usbg.org and check out more episodes at bartalkradio.org.